Hello, DB! Happy 4th of July! Well, as you know, it is the 4th of July, one of our scheduled holiday breaks, but we would never leave our down bitches without some squawking and butt stuff. I mean, it is a national holiday, so we've got a little treat for you. We've got a little bit of... I almost got away with it. Listen, we are currently covering American Detective on the Patreon, but you know how much Joey misses I almost got away with it. So he was like, let's throw that in the feed and do a little bit of a throwback. So what episode are we giving them, Joey? We are giving them 8.8, Gotta Crawl to Freedom. So enjoy this ad-free episode as our gift to you. We will be back next week with another episode of City Confidential. And don't forget, if you want to join us on the Patreon, there's over a hundred episodes to download and binge. For as little as five dollars, you can get four bonus episodes a month, plus an ad-free tier and the close friends tier and all that fun stuff. So if you feel like joining us, join us at patreon.com slash I think not. How was your movie premiere? It was epic. I had so much fun. No, you didn't. Looking at your Instagram. No, you know. Are you yeah. okay? I'm great. Better help is here. I <laughs> just think it's fun that I wasn't there and I can I get to experience it like everyone else. Yeah, in let the me tell you theater. what you're not about to do is gaslight me in, in front of our viewers. You said In front of our viewers. Yes. Okay, boomer. They see you where's, because they can see where's you. Where's your podcast? I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen Marie Marsh, and I would like to say for the record that you said, you know, you should take Nick because he's, you guys will look hot on the red carpet. That's I said that to make you feel okay about the decision that you had already made. Well, then maybe you to should take your boyfriend yeah. instead of your best friend. Well, maybe you should talk to your therapist about really expressing your feelings uh, oh. in a genuine way. Oh, uh, trust and believe, my therapist and I have a whole section dedicated to just you. <laughs> it's like, should we go to the Joey section? I of am the, day? the least of your problems. <laughs> but no, so all to say for those of you don't know, Joey's new movie, Bros, is going to come out. What's the what's the release date? September 30th. And it's Judd Apatow, and he's not going to tell you, so I'm going to tell you. Judd Apatow came up to him at the cast party and was like, you are a fucking scene stealer. Look at his cute little face. So I can't wait for you guys all to see the movie. When you see it, please take pictures. Blow up his Instagram. I'm going to see it with you because I wasn't invited to the uh, opening party. Anyway, oh, here we here go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the show before I share any more traumatic moments from my life. <laughs> We're still covering a show that I have really, really grown to love. I almost got away with it. Season 8, Episode 8, Got to Crawl My Way to Freedom. All right, this is a robbery. A ruthless teen gets hooked on a dangerous habit. Come on, you can do it. You were doing it for the money and for the thrill of it. Give me the money. Open it. Until a botched holdup turns tragic. It was a very horrible scene, but when you know someone, it makes it more personal. He commits to pulling off the impossible. The first thing I'm thinking as soon as I go to jail is I want to escape. And incites a dangerous game of cat and mouse. It was highly likely that he was going to get away. We had to get him back. So here we are in March of 1999. Good year for music. Oh my God. The, I literally what I was about to, what I wrote down. No, I wrote that because you say that all the time. If ever it's a 90s time, you always say that. Well, I'm not wrong because it's the year that Cher gave us Believe. <laughs> 
It's the year that Britney Spears gave us Hit Me Baby One More Time. Uh-huh. Deborah Cox gave us Nobody's Supposed to Be Here. But Ricky Martin destroyed planet Earth with Livin' La Vida Loca. I fucking hate that song. She's in the superstition, black cats and voodoo dolls. It's the worst, dude. The only thing worse is, she bangs, she bangs. No, no. Is that she- him too? Yes. Uh, it's wow. awful. Livin' La Vida Loca, callback to our Amy Bradley episode, was the closing number for one of my cruise ship shows. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. that, and that's how you make 1999 about you. <laughs> so yeah, we're on the outskirts of Houston, Texas. Isn't Texas. Is it, I just thought Texas was the outskirts. <laughs> so it's like, are we like in the outskirts of the outskirts, which is the outskirts? Like, I, I don't understand geographically where we are. I don't either. Houston is huge. Okay. We learn that <laughs> Daryl Norris enters a convenience store. We also learn that he is 17. Yeah. Now, this reenactment actor looks like he invented fire. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this reenacted actor is not 17. And he's also not a good actor. Yeah. We'll get into it. But he's here to say that most of his life, he's gotten in a bunch of trouble. When I first got in trouble, I was robbing gas stations and little stores, not with a gun or anything. I would just break into them when they were closed. And then I graduated to robbing houses. I'm not like a big proponent that uh-huh. like you need school to be successful in life. But like graduating is actually like the receiving of like an academic degree. Hasn't Daryl been through enough? Can I he mean, just have I'm this? I'm just saying it's, it's not. <laughs> Like, it doesn't mean you just got better at Robin stuff. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he started committing bigger crimes. This absolutely not 17-year-old reenactment actor goes into a convenience store one day. Yeah. This is his first time committing a robbery face-to-face. Yeah. Right? So he's holding a large bolt in a paper bag to give the illusion of a gun. I just want to say that it is very brave mm-hmm. to rob or attempt to rob anyone in an open carry state yeah. like Texas because you got to be quick on the draw because before you can even say this is a stick up, you're going to have a 45 against your temple and a foot in your ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the reenactment, the uh, this reenactment actor is bad. He's got some sofa king audacity <laughs> because he's like, come on, old man. I was like, sir, you are clearly riding a dinosaur as your getaway vehicle. <laughs> like, no, that... That's like me calling you loud, you know? What? You're calling me loud? No, baby. No, 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 no. Different Joey. Different Joey. You don't know him. He goes to school in Canada. Anyway. (laughs) He, so that was like his first holdup. And like, you know, with any first, you know, the first time driving a car or first time going on a roller coaster, you know, your first holdup. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, well, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine getting away with something like that gives you such adrenaline. And that's, that's a thing that's very addictive. You get a high off of it. He feels like Superman. <laughs> Robbery is a tough crime to solve. Come on, man, you gotta go. <laughs> the people who get away with it get some type of confidence and then it escalates. We meet Chief Deputy Brian Cantrell of the Waller County Sheriff's Office. There's something about every guy who shows up, every police officer in this episode, that really rubs me the wrong way. Well, they're very... Listen, I have to say, we had our live show in Dallas. We had a fucking blast. Everyone in Dallas was so sweet, so funny, so kind, so warm. I really do love the cool people of Texas. Texas, in terms of crime, do not mess with Texas. No. They are all, they all have a lot of ego and we've seen this on a couple of episodes. And this episode is no exception. Also, talk about the adrenaline of robbing someone and being addicted to that. These guys are addicted to the thrill of catching someone. I I mean, the way they 
talk about it. So this day, after he robs the the convenience store, Daryl goes home. Let me tell y'all something. I almost got away with it. Does not give a shit about continuity because we see a shot of a trailer park. And then I'm like, oh, he lives in a trailer park. And then it cuts into an apartment. It's the same apartment they use all the time. It is absolutely the same because apartment. Because it's the same apartment that they had the party in last week when the lights were coming in when it was clearly at night and they yeah. didn't have blackout curtains. It is the same apartment. It's fully the AD's apartment. They're like, can we use your place again to record? <laughs> He's like, I mean. They're like, it's fine. It's fine. We're gonna we're gonna use Chris's apartment for the interiors. He's like, fuck, man. Listen, let me tell you something. I know the inside of a trailer. Cause I have spent plenty of time in the inside of a trailer. Oh, we know you have, honey. So <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm in more ways than one. Yeah, Chris, the AD on this show. If you if you need anything, just slide into my DMs because I think they really took advantage of you. They keep <laughs> using the same apartment over and over again and just throwing like another tapestry yeah. over the couch. Like, Please, it's fine. They'll never know. <laughs> it's Texas. It's Georgia. Who knows? Who cares? Hey. Norris gets back to his father's house to share the score with his sister Denise. The siblings have been extremely close ever since their mother committed suicide six years ago. After my mom died, we kind of raised each other because my, my dad was never there. Most of the time, he drove a truck. Sister Denise is here. She's in the shadows. I get it. It's yeah. fine. But he comes home and shows her all this stuff and money. And she's like, where did you get these Cool Ranch Doritos? Like, I, <laughs> like, where did you get them? And he's like, don't worry about it. Um, And so that was like his first, you know, time getting away with it. Yeah. And she knew something was up. She knew something yeah. was up and he kept it from her. So we get to January of 2000, just about a year after his first in-person robbery. And he's gotten good at robbing. Honey, he has taken it on the road. Yeah. It's a tour of, of thievery. Yeah, he's doing restaurants and diners and stores. He's having a blasty blast. Yeah, this time he has an accomplice and uh, they hold up a whole ass diner. That's some bravery. Yeah, so Old Man River is there with his friend and he's like, not only holding up the cash register, he's holding the people in yeah. the diner. He's like, give me your money. Now, it's important to say that he's like, it wasn't a gun, it was a BB gun, but it looked super real. And they make it very clear to tell us in Texas, it actually doesn't matter. It does not matter. If it's fake and people think it's real, you're still instilling fear yep. in people. So you can say it's fake all you want. It's still armed robbery. Absolutely. So because it's two against a whole diner, yeah. you can't control what everybody's doing. So somebody manages to call the police. They're leaving. They get in their car and all of a sudden they are surrounded by Texan police. <laughs> You could see from each side, police sirens and cars coming. Take your hands on there! We knew we were going to prison. Back up, back up! Come to the back! That night was definitely a nightmare. It was a life-changing event. He's arrested and charged with two counts of armed robbery. Now, the narrator tells us they were like, shockingly, he was charged as an adult. And I am looking dead ass into this reenactment actor's face, and I'm like... <laughs> Where were you at the signing of the Bill of Rights? Because <laughs> you, sir, are old as dust. Yes. Like, uh, shockingly, yeah. he was... I am not kidding you all. This man is is pushing 40. Oh, yeah. This man knows the number for the AARP by heart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the point is, they keep saying he's 17. I'm yeah. like, no. He was coaching Betsy Ross on how to do all those little stars. <laughs> he's like, no, baby. You got to loop the stitch. Loop the stitch. <laughs> So then Daryl is sentenced to 15 years in prison for that armed robbery. And I was like, listen, that is a long time to make friends and, you know, tell the other inmates how exactly you built the pyramids. So <laughs> Jesus <you're> Christ. <laughs> 
honey. She's got a bag full of them. Keep them coming, honey. I love it. How's that horse? It's dead. It's, <laughs> it is actually dead. You can stop now. You can... No, I got one or two more. I think you do. I think, I think you, you can squeeze a couple out. So, yeah, he was tried as an adult because of his long juvie record. And so Daryl's dad... He didn't want nothing to do with him. Yeah. And so, you know, he serves his time. He serves eight years. He's released on parole. And the the narrator insists on calling it eight long years. <laughs> I was like, it's just years. Yeah. It's just 365 days. A year, it's it's always the same. It's I always mean, the same. I will say that a, probably a day in prison feels like three weeks, a month. Sure, I mean, sure, but it's just it's just eight years. It's, I mean, it's, eight, it's, it's, it's the same. This, Anywhere, is the, this really bothered you, didn't it? Eight long years. You know it was eight long years? My fucking marriage. But you know what? I go on with my fucking life and I don't make a whole three-act play and have a parade about it. I'll give you that. He is now 26 years old. He spent his time in prison working towards a college degree and plans to turn over a new leaf, free of crime. You all ready to go home? Yeah. I wanted to continue college outside and wanted to start a family. His sister and her husband got him a job, gave him a place to stay, so he was in a decent position for a fresh start, which is not easy. Actually, this kind of got me because he explained, and of course we know this, but to hear it from his mouth, he was like, I've never actually been an adult in the free world because, you know, he went to jail when he was 17, the guy, not the reenactment actor, (laughs) and obviously his frontal cortex wasn't developed because a man's frontal cortex doesn't fully develop till they're, you know, six. 62. So, <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> so, but I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like you go from 17 to 26 and you're expected to be a 26 year old. You're expected to know how to pay your bills and do all those things. He's like, I didn't know how to do that. He didn't even really know how to make friends. Of course not. You spend all eight years in jail trying to survive. Yeah. That kind of got me. When yeah. He was like trying to make, he was, he was had this job, you know, seemed like a very like a manual, you know, seemed like a manual labor job. He was kind of trying to mingle and meet people. I get that. I was like, Oof. I think he, he had a really hard time adjusting. Those are formative years. And that's something that they don't do in the prison no, system. They don't help not. anybody reacclimate to the real world at all. They're just like, good luck. Oh, I'm sure in Texas See you especially. When you come back in six months. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to do to mentally prepare anyone to rejoin society. After only two months on the outside, Norris is miserable. For some reason, I just, I, I kind of got depressed. I wasn't happy. That was the first time in my life I ever thought about suicide. You know, in a in a moment of weakness, he was like, you know what? I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rob a bank and I'm gonna get out of Texas mm-hmm. and just go somewhere. Yeah, that was the goal. I wish the goal would have been to finish school and then go somewhere. Yeah, because you're gonna see this guy's this guy could have done something actually really really. For yeah, this real. guy is no dummy. Yeah, so he needs an accomplice and he meets up with someone that he knew by the name of Robert. They tell us he was 19. Where do they find these actors? They're going to AARP meetings all over the oh, country. Honey, this man like, was long in the tooth. Yeah. So Robert, this guy that he wanted to help him, was like, do you have a gun? He's like, no, man, I do everything with, like, paper bags and shit and BB guns. We don't need a gun. And he's like, no, I'm not doing this with paper bags. I want a real gun. And Daryl's like, fuck. And so he goes and finds a real gun. Yeah, and the goal was, he's like, I'm going to take him on a small robbery first mm-hmm. before taking him on a big boy robbery. It's like an audition. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, There's a dance call back at three. Yeah. Please bring taps and characters. But you know what? He should have cut him after <laughs> yeah. the gun talk. So it's April 15th, 2008, tax day. <laughs> uh, he was doing his taxes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, they were robbing a convenience robbing store. Robbing a convenience store. So they go in with the guns, and guess what happens? I mean, you're asking me to guess I know what happens Bobby Lynn is there the cashier (laughs) 
And they were like, this is a holdup. And Bobby Lynn was like, oh, shit, not again. <laughs> you know what? I don't appreciate this. I have been through a nap. Okay. Now, listen. I know where this is going. I will make a deal with you. Okay. You can each take a can of Sprite. No cheese. But, but. No cheese. But Bobby Lynn. I said no cheese. I thought you loved the Sprite. The Sprite. You can take a can, not the fountain drink. Because if we run out of the fountain drink, I got to get under that machine, change the whole thing. It's a thing in a rigmarole. I don't know if I use that word right. I, I don't care. I know. You hate rigmaroles. Take two canes of Sprite and go. Bobby Lynn, is it weird that you've been held up now two times? I think it's, I just got bad. I think a witch put a curse on me. <laughs> yeah. And I just can't find that witch. You can't find the witch or you can't find which witch? Well, which witch it is. I don't like when you, I feel like you're making fun of me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to get. You can take a can of Sprite and leave too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Bobby Lynn's been through a lot. Better help is here for you, Bobby Lynn. Oh, poor Bobby Lynn. Oh, God. Oh. It gets me every time. Well, so, this is not good. This, this is not great. I, I brought Bobby Lynn in here to soften this blow. As I walk in, this man, he just attacked me. Hey, get off me. I forcefully pushed him off of me. Go ahead. Open it. Come on. Give me the money. Open it. Then, things suddenly take an explosive turn. I looked over at the man, and he was holding his chest. <laughs> and I see my partner running out the door. While he was trying to get the money from the cashier, Robert, his partner in crime, sadly shot him in the heart, yeah. and he died almost instantly. This is not funny, and I'm, not, I'm, and I'm actually being real, but I hate this narrator because I think the most uncool thing that this show has ever done, because a human life was legitimately yeah. lost, yeah. but he says he was shot through the heart. I was like, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sing it. it. I'm no. not going to play it. I judge you harshly. Yeah. Some editor let that slide, and I was like, don't. <laughs> don't. Not today, no. Satan. No. It's just so sad. And oh, so it's really sad. And Daryl says, and I actually really believe this, Daryl says he kind of like blacked out. Yeah. Like, what do you do when you're a petty criminal? Is that the right word for it? I don't know. I mean, like, I, 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 don't, just, I don't know that that's a petty crime, but I mean, I understand what you're saying. He wasn't out to act. Hurt no, he wasn't people. a murderer. You know, robbing is wrong. I don't think he actually wanted to hurt anyone. But like, he blacks out. He just was like, I, I, I was staring. I mean, what do you do in that moment? Then he kind of comes to, and he's like, Oh right, I'm robbing the place. Yeah. And he's like, Okay, give me the money. I, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. So he gets the money from the cashier, who is hysterical. Yeah. I can't even imagine. It was probably a family member. And so he gets the cash. He runs out. Gets in the car. Car. They take off driving, flying yeah. down the highway. It's so bad. Like, just, it's just not worth it. Well, he money. says to him, why he's like, we... yes. He's like, once we were a few miles away, I was like, why the fuck did you do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? And he said, well, he had a gun. He's like, I didn't see a gun. He's like, he had a gun. Yeah. And Daryl was like, I really don't think he did. Like, Daryl was like, really like, stood his ground. He's like, mm. the surviving clerk, she's under all the stress. And it's tough when a victim is in that situation. <laughs> all right, we need to take care of this. And the reaction that I saw from the law enforcement agents was, number one, a mood of anger, and number two, a mood of, we're going to get this guy. So, Chief Deputy Brian is like, 
hey, they, they left tire marks. And they say some things about tire treads and things I don't understand about tread patterns, nor do I care, but it meant something to them. Yeah. And the weight distribution, or it I don't know. It was the pause attraction. Clearly, the car that made those two equal length marks had pause attraction. You can't get those marks without pause attraction, which was not available in the 64 Buick Skylark. It's a limited slip differential, which distributes power equally to the both right and left tires. The 64 Skylark had a regular differential, which anyone who's been stuck in the mud at Alabama, you step on the gas, the tire spins Jesus the other one. Does Christ. That. Have you not seen my cousin Vinny? I know you're talking about Marissa Tomei and that. I have not seen the whole movie, but I know that scene. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, so basically they were saying that three of the tire mark treads were the same and one is different. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. But anyway, so Daryl goes home to his sister. He is freaked out. He tells Denise, and Denise was, you know, here in the shadows was like, I mean, he's sweaty. He was nervous. He told me everything that happened. I was devastated. Oh, my God. I mean, I knew I was going to lose my brother again. An innocent man lost his life for a few dollars. It was pointless. So there's an APB put out. There's, they have a description of his vehicle. Yeah. And so Daryl tells his sister, I got to leave town. I got to go. I can't stay here. I'm getting, he gets his shit together. Um, and then, you know, meanwhile, there's a detective or detectives who have spotted his car. They're looking at the tires. They talk about the fucking tread marks again. And I was like, I don't care. I mean, I care. I just don't get it. And I don't like talking about things I don't understand. Yes. They find the car magically because they were like that one's got different tires and they stake out the car and boom like the cops come out and take Daryl right back to jail yeah they also find Robert and now they're both facing murder charges not just that in Texas yeah you can get the death sentence and the thing that's important that the according to the DA the sheriff says you know we're not talking about how much time that you're gonna go to prison we're talking about whether the district attorney's going to ask for a needle to be put in your arm or not. Yikes. Yeah, that man's terrifying. I mean, do not mess with, in, or around Texas. Just don't do it. No, and here's the thing, that they have something called law of parties. Oh, I, I didn't know this. I didn't know this either, which means we should look it up and see how many states have that law of parties. Because what it means is if two people agree to commit a felony together mm-hmm. and someone gets shot dead, yeah. it doesn't matter who the gunman is. Both of you are guilty of that murder. I had no idea. They're like, you know someone who committed a crime? Were you there at the scene of the crime? Did you talk about the crime? Did you know where the crime took place? Yeah. Did you and the person who committed the crime have matching tattoos? Y'all are going to jail. I was like, holy moly, I had no idea. Yeah. So, Daryl was like, let's get two things straight and one thing gay. Number one, I didn't <laughs> shoot anyone. Number two, I didn't even have a gun. And number three, Judy Garland. What? So- <laughs> <laughs> let's get two Thanks, Strike. I know, truly. This podcast is brought to you by ADHD. <laughs> yeah, Daryl confesses everything, but I he's know. back in jail. And he has to share a steel cell with seven other prisoners. And he's like, yeah, I got to escape. Yeah, but like. This, this is the jail before the jail. Before you're, it's like where you're held. so bad because they had a TV in there. Honey, seven men all in. You know how stinky men are? Oh, uh, don't get me started. Don't but even seven get me men started. all in that small ass cell. They probably have to use the bathroom in there as well. I mean, it's it's just it's I'm just, horrible. I'm just saying they could watch TV. The jailhouse maybe 120 inmates and only three jailers on the floor were required at a time. Run that back. So they were pretty relaxed 
I guess they never expected an escape. That math doesn't math to me. Right? Well, it doesn't that seem like... I don't know. No, I mean, I get it. It is it is very relaxed. I mean, but I don't think it's like the actual prison. It's where they're holding you while you're awaiting trial. And then you go to, you okay. know, whatever yeah. well, the... Anyway, he was like, I'm not staying here. Yeah, so there is a light fixture in the ceiling. I mean, y'all, this I'm going to do this my is, best. Yeah, yeah, this is really hard to explain. Yes, so there's a light fixture in the ceiling. And it's covered by bars. Because they know that somebody could maybe find a way to get through the light fixture. Yeah. Into the roof to try to escape. So there's bars over it. So he's thinking. Well, the, and, and then above the bars is plexiglass. It's a plexiglass holding the, the lights. Yeah. And uh, y'all don't do robberies. It's it's a whole thing. Well, he's like, that has to be my way out. So two months go by and Daryl found someone who was go- he was going to escape with him. And he's like, hey, I just got my haircut. And also while I was getting my haircut, I got this piece of the shears. Yeah. Which is the teeth from the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really wild. Also, this man's nickname was Big Head. Yeah. What a nickname. Yeah. Also, my grinder username. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) He said, some teeth from the barber shear. He said, you think you can use that? I put it to the table and started sawing on the table. And I could see it made a little cut. And the first thing that came to my mind were those bars. So now, this is wild. What happens in Texas prisons? Now, there's a door to the jail cell that had a window on it. And one day, I guess Big Head liked to talk shit to the guards. Because what else are you going to do? Yeah, sure. And he opened up the window. So, like, the window opens like a door. Yeah. And he's, like, yanking on it and screaming. Well, he rips the fucking window slash door off the hinges. Yeah. And they're all laughing. And then Daryl takes a look and sees the hinge on that window slash door and goes, was, that would make a great handle for us all. I this ta- man, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's truly Paul Kanan. Either use your power for good. Or for evil. He would have, in another life, been a scientist or an engineer. Uh, honey. That they, it, it, this is just the beginning. Just wait. So He magoobered that shit. He did magoober it. Absolutely. <laughs> so the next night, he gets to working. He is sawing the bars of this light. And everyone's watching him. There's nowhere to escape. Yeah. They're all watching. And one guy was like, hey, when you get out, look me up next week. I'll be out. See you around. And he was like, okay. And he just like keeps sawing away. You know, like going back and forth, back and forth little by little. And you know it's like how people slowly chip away at like your self-esteem? It's like Or that. how you slowly chipped away at my trust? Yeah! It's yes. like that but with bars! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so he gets that bar off. Three weeks. Three, Three weeks, weeks. Takes him. But the timing is bad because it's 1 a.m. and all of a sudden there's a shakedown of the prison. Jailers launch a surprise inspection for contraband. It wasn't just sawed. It was sawed completely off. The only thing I could think of is making a deal with them, you know, so they wouldn't have to come in and shake down. Daryl is really smart. He's like, number one, they're going to see that I am trying to escape. And number two, they're for sure going to know I'm not 17. So I need to (laughs) think of a plan immediately. So he sees the jailer as a woman and he does what all men do. And he tries to like flirt with her. He's like, listen, I promise we'll give you every piece of contraband in here. Well, no funny business. And she's like, oh, you promise? Yeah, we (laughs) trust you. And he's like, I promise we'll give you everything. How did he convince this woman to let him do that? I have no idea. But remember, it's 1 a.m. and he 
was like, look, you're tired, we're tired. We'll just give you the contraband because you spent an hour in that other cell. We're so tired. Like, if you just let us sleep, we'll give it all to you. I guess so. And she went to the supervisor and apparently he's like a big dick. Yeah. But they convinced him. I was just like, really? Yeah. Okay. So he does, hands it over, and next thing you know it, he's sawed through that second bar. Yeah. So now there's a hole. I, I, I am so confused. I can't solve anything without YouTubing it. Like, if something goes wrong in my house, I'm like, how to clean my garbage disposal? It's all on YouTube. I mean, listen, there are people who are just really good at this shit. Oh, just wait. So, yeah. appa- and now apparently we learn on I Almost Got Away With It, you can saw through plexiglass with string? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like, you could saw off someone's finger with string. Okay. That's dark. I know. I guess that was kind of dark. Yeah, but that- it's true. <laughs> the only problem was I needed to get the string through the plexiglass somehow. Norris determines that the only way through the plastic is with fire. And he's like, oh shit, I invented fire. (laughs) So all I need to do is harken back to those days. Does anyone know hieroglyphics? (laughs) I do. I do. Jesus Christ. So explain does with there's a lot you can do with a razor blade some soap and some baby oil okay so what he does is is, uh, I'm not going to explain how he made the flame he made some sort of uh, candle he used like some kind of razor for a wick goes and magoobers the TV wires talks about all that shit to make a spark and essentially what he does is he melts the plexiglass in two places so that he can pull the string through one hole to the other and that way he has leverage to you know yeah it's like it does kind of it looks like a bendy saw it's like going through two holes. It's like, yeah, so he's just working it. Yeah. I know you're doing fine. <laughs> Every day, right? Doesn't it? Just, well, like, like, My sister's gonna kick them in their little lay. Anyway, <laughs> but that's what's happening. There are so many things he explains that I'm confused about. I mean, there are so many things I'm this confused about. This guy is about. very smart. So smart. I, I am confused about everything that he's made. I'm also confused about the Bermuda Triangle and aliens. <laughs> but how does he know how to do all these things? I don't know. I mean, it's pretty... Uh, uh, listen, there's a lot of things that I'm confused about, too. Like, I don't understand why people love Leah Michelle, but they do. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to tug at that thread too hard. Anyway, well, he tugs at his thread. Yeah. And he... Can, see that segue? Yeah, uh, That was good. You. That was smooth. Really good. So he gets through. He, there's literally a hole, and he shoves his little body through it around 11 o'clock one night, and he gets through the ceiling. So now he's in the ceiling. Yeah. And he comes up on an AC duct. And he's like, I can probably push through this and there will be a hole in the roof and I can climb through. That's what he does. Yeah. Y'all, this man was not spending another night in jail. No, he was he was getting out and he's like, and you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to MIT after this. <laughs> and I think he could have done it. It was quiet. All I heard was one dog barking, and then some music playing off in the distance. The fugitive surveys his surroundings. There's a drain pipe that extends from the roof down to the street below. It's an easy descent to freedom. He's like, well, that's my ticket out. I'm just going to, you know, shimmy on down the drain pipe. <laughs> and he's It's like, very Annie. Yeah. The orphans. And, oh my goodness. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. So he calls down to his friend. He's like, hey, I'm out. Y'all coming? He's like, yeah, I didn't know you were serious about that. Uh, <laughs> that looks fun, but I'm good. Yeah. I'm not, you're going to get caught. I just know that you're going to be on a TV show. Yep. See ya. I'm keeping my big head in here. Good luck with your project. So he does. He like shimmies on down the pipe, ditches the orange jumpsuit, and he is running, 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 running. 
So he's like, huh. In boxers and an undershirt. Yeah, he's in boxers and an undershirt. He's like a mile away from his dad's house. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, I haven't spoken to my dad in eight years, but like I kind of really have no other choice. Yeah. So he shows up at his dad's house. And the plan was, if I could just get a change of clothes, some money, and use his phone, I can call that inmate who was like, if you ever get out of here. Yeah, give me a call. Give Jamal me a call. Was Jamal. Yeah. yeah. And so his dad takes one look at him and is like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. I don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah, I mean, my dad emotionally shut the door on me, yes. but this guy's dad, like, literally shut the door yes. on his face. And I've been paying for it for the past 10 years. Yeah, who wants to talk about trauma? <laughs> There's one other person who can help him, his sister Denise. But she lives 20 miles away in the town of Hockley. Norris will have to make it all the way to her house before the cops. The fugitive decides it's safest to avoid major roads. So it's the middle of the night, and he's like, I mean, okay, no one's going to know I'm missing at the jail because they're not going to, like, check in the middle of the night. So I guess I'm just going to, like, hightail it to my sister's house. Yeah, and he says, like, the moon was out and bright, so he used that because, listen, there's one thing you're not going to do is you can't fight the moonlight deep in your heart. I don't know. No, well, also because the stars at night are big and bright. So he's running around, uh, keeping off major roads, obviously. Daryl's in his underwear, <laughs> back at the jail. <laughs> they're like, what? He escaped? How did he do that? And they're like, that guy is a genius. Yeah, they're, and they're on the hunt for him. A little over an hour later, the exhausted fugitive arrives at his sister's house. It was a risk, big risk. I decided I'm going to scope out the area first. Norris has no idea that law enforcement is already inside and hoping he'll show up. They went straight to her house. They're like, he doesn't have anywhere to go. We know that he's going to come here. And he saw the cops. He got closer to the house and he saw them in there. He's like, oh, I got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. Yeah, they see and his sister's in there being questioned. They're like, so he bolts. He's like, fuck, I am in my underwear. I look many years past my actual age. (laughs) I need to get out of here. So he went, he goes to another friend's house. This reenactment actor, first of all, he is very good looking. Very good looking. But he has for sure been doing like soft stuff on OnlyFans for a while. (laughs) So he was psyched to have lines. Yeah, yeah. Like it was. He was happy to be there. Yeah, he really, really was. He was like, and they have hot dogs at craft service. This is so great. (laughs) So he shows up, knocks on that dude's door, and he's like, hey, remember me? He's like, yeah, you're all over the news. And he's like, listen, I just, can I just use your phone? And he's like, oh no. And he's like, please just let me use your phone. And he convinces him. Yeah, so hot OnlyFan guy's roommate was like really nervous and jittery. I mean, I would be too. Absolutely. That's just like, you know. Also, you could get charged for aiding and abetting a fugitive. Yeah, so Daryl calls Jamal and the roommate was like freaking out. The the roommate of the soft stuff guy was like, you gotta go, (laughs) you gotta go. And then Daryl was like, I mean, you could offer me some money and clothes. I was like, entitled? Like, he's like, I have to go head over to Boston and go do people's homework on the chalkboards at MIT. Like, I've got to go. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but he does. So we give, they give him some some clothes and some money and the roommate's like, well, now that that guy's gone, I'm going to call the cops. And he sure does, honey. He was not having it. I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Uh, yeah, it's fucking scary. Yeah, so especially somebody who is an accomplice to murder. Yeah. yeah. If you were an accomplice to murder, I would be like, you know, I'm going to call the cops on you. But, you know... <laughs> You're like, here is a uh, liquid IV. Yeah, have so much fun. 
Sheriff's office. Chief Deputy Cantrell receives his first big tip. Okay. As Nora suspected. What, what was he wearing? His acquaintance's roommate has ratted him out. All right, what direction was he headed? That let us know that he wasn't as far away as that we originally thought. Okay. That made us a little more confident. Daryl's like, I got to get out of town. Yeah, so his goal is to go to a truck stop and hop on one of those big old, what, how many wheels are they? Many. Uh, one of those many-wheeled trucks. Yeah. Um, he's like, hey, that's got so many wheels on it. I'm going to get on that one. <laughs> so he gets it. And it's got a shit ton of lumber. Yeah. And he just literally gets in the lumber. He's like, I can't believe you just did that. And so he like stays there all night because, you know, the, uh, the truck driver was sleeping in his, the cabin yeah. of his truck. So he's like, I can just get a ride out of here. I'll be good. And he's like, I saw the helicopters yeah. flying all over. And the next morning he wakes up to the truck a humming, mm-hmm. a buzzing, yeah. a vibrating. And he's like, wait, am I better than everyone? Like, did <laughs> I escape? Is this real? Is he home free? And I was like, I mean, we're on. I almost got away with it. Yes. So this, this, I'm sure this isn't going to end well. Yeah. So he, he, he does. He's like, I felt in that moment a sense of relief. And they pull into a lumber yard 40 miles away. I thought he was going to end up like in Arizona. I mean, he would hope for Arizona. Yeah, they're like, so we're in Houston. He's like, what? I just came from the outskirts of Houston. <laughs> I would be like, get me out of Texas. <laughs> exactly. Anywhere but here. And so he gets out of the truck and runs off without anybody seeing him. And so he's walking around by himself. Norris walks the streets until he spots a budget motel. He decides to get a room to rest, regroup, and call for his ride. I told her I had a little bit of cash on me, enough to pay for a room if she if she'd let me get it. It's and the problem. woman is oh, like, great. "Do you have ID?" He's like, "Ugh, funny story. You are very pretty. Uh, I do not have an ID." She's like, "It's fine. It's fine. You look so familiar." And then Daryl says, like, right behind yep. her on the TV is his mug. Also, let me tell you this: I looked up Daryl mm-hmm. from his mugshot from when he was around that age. He was good looking. Yeah, he was a handsome guy. Mm-hmm. And so I could see him being able to turn on the charm. And Southerners are good at turning on the charm when they got and to. And he's smart and he's kind. He's really, really, when he's talking, he's not super arrogant. No. You know, we've had some people that yes. are very victim-y yeah. and very, like, arrogant. He's kind of like, this is what happened. And, you know, he's, he's dare I say, humble? Yeah, like, if I saw him, I would... Uh, he, he's like unassuming. Yeah. You know uh, yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So, he, you know, he probably was, you know, chatting with her and, you know, think, you know, things Anything happened. Anything to keep her from turning around. Yeah, please. <laughs> you know, don't turn around, but for no reason. So she's like, here's your key. He's like, okay, bye. <laughs> and he's like out of there. Safely in his room, Norris begins working the phone. Finally, he gets a hold of Jamal. Jamal. Yeah. and asks for a ride to the Mexican border. And him and I were pretty tight. He says, man, I've, I've been watching you on the, on the news. He said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll help you out. And he's like, all right, Jamal, listen, I got out. Remember when you said you would help me in any way you could? Yep. Can you drive me to Mexico? And Jamal's like, yeah, I'll be there in a few hours. The Mexico, not the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> just for just for clarity. To actual Mexico. Okay. And Jamal's like, hey, also you've been on the news. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I heard all about you. But he's like, yeah, I'll drive you to Mexico. Yeah. And he's like, he's- I'll be there at this time. Right, right, right. He don't show. No. So Jamal is like, I'll be there in a few hours. And so he lays on like the motel bedspread, which I... Disgusting. I, I mean, I love staying in hotels, but also I hate staying in hotels. But I have on good account that those bedspreads are like not washed. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. The first thing I do when I walk into a hotel room is I go Pee to the, the bed... After that. Uh-huh. I go to the mattress, lift up the sheet, and I check for bed bugs. That is the first thing I do. I can't believe I've never done that. Yeah. That, do you like, know what I do is 
as soon as I walk in? You punch the shower curtain. We've all seen the video. No, I do. I've I done know. that for my whole life because I always think like there is somebody hiding in there. Absolutely. Yeah. I that is the way I'm gonna go down. Y'all, nobody ever play a prank on her and be waiting because <laughs> you will get punched in the face. It's like that whole trend that happened on TikTok where it was like rustling and scaring people, and a person was doing that to their partner, and that person got punched in the face by their partner. And their partner was significantly larger than them. And you hear them scream. Oh, my god! And the partner was like, you cannot do that. Yeah. I like scaring people. I don't like being scared. So what does that say about me? <laughs> Sociopath. <laughs> um. <laughs> but that afternoon, the meeting time comes and goes. Nora starts to get nervous. I called him again. He had forgotten about his sister's birthday party. What? And he wanted to go there for about an hour or two. All right. And then he'd pick me up, right? And he was like, you know what? We already had all these plans. You know, we were going to play pin the tail on the donkey, but like with little dicks. Like it was just going to be super fun. So and pin I, the dick on the donkey? Pick the dick on the donkey. Pick you know the, the dick? Yeah, pick the dick on the donkey. <laughs> so Jamal's like, I will be there. And then the announcer guy says, Daryl is growing suspicious of Jamal, but decides to stay put. I was like, bro, what are your other choices? He has none. You have no other choices but to cross your fucking fingers that Jamal is going to finish his funnel cake and playing dicks on the donkey and come and fucking get you and take you to the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, here's my thing. If you can make a flame out of some baby oil, a knife, and fucking wire you know, cable from a, a TV. Can't you hotwire a car? Yeah. And get out, you have to get out of Texas. Something. But the cops get a anonymous tip mm-hmm. from someone who saw uh, Daryl at the Motel Hotel Holiday Inn. Obviously it's Jamal. There's nobody that knows that he's at this motel but Jamal. I mean, you know, I know he's wrong. I know that Daryl committed a crime and he should be in jail. But the down bitch in me is like, I mean, why are you ratting him out? Let him, he's going to get caught. Like, also, the hoops that this man jumped yeah, through. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I have a very, very weird relationship with, like, no, Daryl should not have escaped prison. He should be in prison. But also maybe have a scholarship to MIT. I don't know. I'm very emotionally confused. Well, he didn't commit murder. He didn't mean to commit murder. You know what I mean? It's very hard. It's a hard conversation about morals. Yeah. There is a part of you that's like, he made it so far. I know! The Jason Bourne of it all. I know. Jamal still hasn't shown up. Norris decides he's got to keep moving. He wonders if Jamal turned him in. I realized he was stalling. I realized that I shouldn't even be dealing with him at all. But it's too late. Officers from the Houston PD have arrived and are surrounding the motel. He sees their shadow, and so he's like, you know what? If I just walk out, if I hide in plain sight, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to go to the pool. Yeah. And so he goes to the pool. And there's my favorite pool sign. The one that says persons having currently active diarrhea or have had active diarrhea within the previous 14 days shall not be allowed to enter the pool water. Did you see that sign? No. I love any sign that has the word diarrhea in it a minimum of two times. But the cop sees him and they're standing off and he's like, well, I'm going to go down. I might as well go for a dip. Yo, this man, they spot him and he's like, I'm going to jump in the pool. Why not? He's like, I'm caught. I might as well go down after doing a couple more. Yeah, he was like, let's get fucking wild. He was like, I don't give a fuck. They're like, get out of the pool. Put your hands up. He's like, <laughs> I can't put my hands up. I'll drown. He's like, watch my handstand. Watch my handstand. How's my form? They're like, Jesus. What is wrong with me? Oh, God. Well, uh, Ellen is very tickled, y'all. She's not well. She's crying. Her face is red. She done tickled herself. So he gets out of the pool and they cuff him. 
And he has to stand trial for murder because of that rule about if you know anyone that committed a murder. Yeah. So he stands trial for murder. Daryl gets 45 years. Mm-hmm. And Robert gets 75 years. Um, I Googled him, mm-hmm. Robert, and his name is not Robert. It's something else. Uh, but this kid looks terrifying. He has a tattoo, like, right under his eye. And hit the face that he's making, he looks like he has nothing to lose. Yeah. The face of someone with nothing to lose. It's kind of terrifying. Sounds like it. Norris will be eligible for parole in 2030. I'm sorry he lost his life. I wish it had never happened, but if I brood over it throughout my time, it's going to probably, it'll destroy me. If you watch the episode, it, it, it is, it's a weird, weird feeling. You feel like some It's that real internal struggle of somebody who really could have done something. Yeah. And, you know, 2030 isn't that far away. I don't know. He'll be old. I mean, I think he's only two years younger than me. Yeah. So he'll be like... 48. Yeah. Which is not bad. Denise is there and, you know, Denise has uh, some parting words and, you know, says, I still love him. He still has family and I get it. And Daryl says this thing that's really simple. He just says, I wish we could start over. Yeah. I was like, yeah, everybody wants to do over sometimes. Yeah. I get it. You know, uh, say something funny. Uh, you know, did y'all mention do over? Uh, I, I did just say that, Bobby Lynn. Yeah, I'd like a do over. What? I would never come here again. Uh, Cause y'all are rude. Yeah, you don't appreciate my plight. Uh huh. And I am sick of giving away my sprites I know. to ungrateful bastards <laughs> like you. Bow, 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 Bobby Lynn has had it. Uh, she has had it. Thank you, Drama Club. We love you so much. This has really been a gift. Like, truly the gift of gifts. We have two more episodes of I Almost Got Away With It. And then, y'all, I have a list of shows that you want us to tackle next. I'll be doing some online polls of what you want us to do. There's just so many. And I love it when you send me suggestions. So if you do send me a suggestion, just give me a brief summary about what, what it's about. Just, you know, so I know, so I can file it in the right place. Joey and I will get to it sometimes. We love you, Drama Club! We love you so much. Thank you for being awesome. Well, love you, Joey. I love it too, Yellen Marsh. Uh, <laughs> Bye! Bye!